0: Hey y'all, it's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys review Earth, votes for women in the footsteps of Darwin and Wingspan Asia, plus a taste buds with the new Mountain Dew
1: flavor, Summer Freeze. Summer Freeze! Makes me feel fine! Your singing doesn't make me feel fine. Hello and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 289 Suffragette City. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. You do remember that song, right? Oh, yeah.
0: And it's playing in my head, but I'm not about to sing it. It'll get auto-tuned, and I'll come back and play. Some
1: of city.
0: David Bowie. Mm, so good. You know, when we t- were talking about some other singers last episode, we were talking about how, you know, some are not as appreciated. But Bowie, holy cow. Everybody, I didn't appreciate him. Until later as well.
1: Man, he had such a long, illustrious career and went over a bunch of different phases of music, you know, from the Ziggy Stardust to more of the 80s pop stuff. I don't know if you know this, but when he passed away, I was actually over in London at the time, and the city was just uh, devastated. Mm -hmm. It was just coverage everywhere. It was like 24-hour news coverage of David Boy, and there was just like a city, almost countrywide mourning.
0: I I remember that. I remember you were over there, came back, talked about it. But, uh, I mean, Under Pressure, I never liked that song. Until what? It,
1: I, until recently. It's funny you say that you didn't care for it because, to me, if somebody was to say, what's one song that's almost universally liked, I would actually mention Under Pressure. You're actually the first person that ever said that at one time they didn't really care for it. And I guess maybe it's – I was I with was Queen.
0: I didn't like – that duet, but over time, as I kept hearing and hearing, I was like,
1: man this is amazing. what's wrong with me and what's so cool is uh John Dinkin came up with just an amazing, simple bass line that is just a you know an earworm once it gets stuck. I mean, as soon as you hear ding 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 ding, you know exactly what song it is I mean, so iconic, so I, it is hard to write something like that that just transcends time, and you hear it and you go, oh, I know what that is
0: you." asked me to name the title of this episode because of a game we got to play yes yeah votes for women which kind of makes sense. i thought thematically it made mm-hmm. sense and w- we played it so we, i can't wait to talk about it sure because there's some mixed feelings here
1: yeah so obviously we'll get to that and that's actually one of our featured reviews of the show uh in addition to um earth Uh, which is a game that came out from Inside Up Games, if people have been really talking about and really hyping up too. So we'll see if we have mixed feelings uh, about that one or not.
0: And then out of nowhere, I threw something down on the table called In the Footsteps of Darwin.
1: Yes. I saw this game, had no interest, played it, And immediately have thoughts that I can't wait to share with everybody. So that's going to be uh, coming later in the episode, too. So, yeah, uh, we got a lot of uh, stuff to cover. But I would like to reference a game that we talked about in the last episode, uh, Anno Domini. Remember when I said that, hey, it'd be cool with all the biblical history and stuff if they have some more uh, board games themed around that? Like, literally, the next day that our episode uh, dropped... Uh, Shim Phillips and Sam McDonald, you know, they're the ones that make Raiders of the North Sea and that whole line of games mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. they had. So, they had a stream where they're just announcing some games that were going to be coming out. There's a new one coming out called Ezra and Nehemiah. They said it's the heaviest or most crunchy game that they've ever done. Ooh. And basically, the theme is about the Israelites coming back from captivity to rebuild the temple and, uh, and the wall, uh, the Jerusalem wall and the, and the Jerusalem temple. And so there's facets where people are trying to work together to get the job done, but then they're also just competing each other to see how well they can get it. So uh, it looks great. It's coming to Kickstarter later on, but I just thought it was ironic that I mentioned, hey, it would be cool if, mm-hmm. and then somebody actually announced a game that's kind of long along the same thing. So I, that's going to be coming in October. So we're a ways away from that. I just thought it was really cool to hear that.
0: Okay, well, keep an eye on that. And hey, with the um, Tantrum Con people over there, tantrum, con, tantrum House, sorry, doing those previews, can't wait to see
1: what it looks like because you know it'll be on their channel. Oh, 100%, 100%. So I was especially intrigued when they said this could be their heaviest or crunchiest game yet. We'll see whether that's good or bad. <laughs> I, you know, do I need another crunchy game? And one thing they said that they were going to be mixing a lot of the things that they're known for in their games. Clever card play, uh, different multicolored meeples that do different actions when you put them on the board or take them off the board. So they're taking all these things they're kind of known for and throw them into one game. Once again, do I need another Crunchy game? I don't know. I don't know. But we'll see. I enjoy them. I I
0: mean, Crunchy games give us the challenge, right? Right, right. And, And that's one of the things that... How can I get better at that game? I keep coming back to them, even if I stink at them. I just want to beat
1: myself. Not you so much, but myself. I like crunchy games that are easy to learn, but very crunchy once you get into them. Yes. You know, it's, like, it's easy to make a complicated, crunchy game. It's harder to make uh, easy to understand, get into game that's crunchy, much like the baseline of Under Pressure
0: dun 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 dun
1: dun 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 I can't do it except uh ice ice baby he said no it sounds totally different it's like no it doesn't there, there's this dun 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 he said mine is dun 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 <laughs> I remember <laughs> that quote it's like dude shut up you stole it you stole it okay you know you did
0: just, just
1: hey it's uh, a good thing
0: what can oh my and, you know, I was thinking of something until, until we started to go down that track. And hopefully it will come back to me. Prevagen needed again. Did you think we could get
1: Prevagen to sponsor the show? <laughs> We're perfect candidates to prove whether it works or not. You could just see improvement from episode to episode with our memory. Which episode key me in to exactly what I want. Based
0: on this number, 289. Yes. We are only 11, quick
1: math, from 300.
0: We interrupt this program for an important news announcement.
1: All right, before anybody chimes in and wants to claim $5, let's just go ahead and fix this. Here's the thing, y'all. We've been releasing a lot of episodes, and now we're starting to forget the numbers of episodes as we record these out of order. We said this is episode 289. It's actually 290 because our summer movie preview episode got number 289. So... Yeah, just uh, assume that we said 290, and uh, we'll see if if we'll get this on track. Seriously, seriously. Um, Prevagen, if you're listening to this, um, if you want to sponsor somebody, we're here. And now back
0: to your regularly scheduled program.
1: Yes, I actually n- noticed that today, and I thought, hmm, I wonder where that's going to land exactly. Well, it depends on the videos. If we keep doing this video, we didn't think we would hit 300 this year. Right. But what we've been doing is uh, doing these little, sh- these little videos or short uh, topic discussions. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually threw that out to the discord channel. Is it confusing for us to keep increasing the number for our non regular episodes? So I consider what we're doing now, our regular style episode. Then we have these short form episodes or vidcasts Cause I also on YouTube that we've been doing that we've just been increasing the numbers. And it seems like most of the people said, eh, it's not confusing to me. Uh just keep going up in number. Cause I was thinking about spawning it off. Call it something and th- this is episode one, episode two, and going from there and have that special thing uh numbered differently.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, if you had come back, I would have used my forty nine percent vote and said no.
1: Uh you have dude, you have fifty percent vote. So uh I'm cool with that. So I just want to make sure it wasn't confusing where people like why is this one so much shorter than the the last episode? So I I did like the idea of like two ninety point five if we did the video cast, <laughs> but then it's hard to determine how many episodes have we actually done. You got to go back and count all the point fives.
0: Okay, so that's true,
1: but uh, okay, I, fine. Let's keep just going with. Let's keep math is hard. I will say this that our naming convention is pretty much standard for the regular episode. It's the uh, it's name of a song mm-hmm. where the single topic episodes, usually we have it like as that's the name of the episode. This is the topic we're going to be discussing. So they are different. Which is a good thing. People can key in on that. If they go to the
0: blog, they can see not only that, but also all the games are in the title. So that can help them out. We don't really put the name of the, show, uh, the title with the music.
1: Oh, that's right. We, my gosh, I do need Prevagen. We <laughs> don't name the title in the podcast the name of the song holy crap it's just a list of games i'm not going back and doing over 289 of these no i wasn't asking you to dude seriously <laughs> do you have a contact for Previgen? maybe they could sponsor us they might be able to they might pull that one i guess i'm picturing uh the thumbnail mm-hmm. uh that you do and you put the name beside uh no you don't
0: i put it underneath you do,
1: do you put the name of the song beside the number
0: I put okay. it, I put the, I put it, yeah. So it's basically Whew. episode number 289 and then it will be Suffragette City underneath it.
1: Yeah. As funny as this is all is, and it's like you guys are big bumbling idiots. I would like to thank uh, all those who voted for us. Oh, the yeah. bumbling idiots uh, for nominating us for the Snicker Best podcast uh, on Board Game Geek, uh, on the Golden Geek Awards. Now, by the time this episode comes out, Uh, The voting will have been closed, and I think uh, the winners will be announced. But uh, regardless of how that comes out, uh, thank you so much uh, for voting for us. It means a lot because I think we're still the longest-running podcast to be nominated, which is easy to do if you never
0: win. That's right. Keep it going. We've only missed one year on our nominations. Yeah. So in 2024, get ready to nominate us again because I think our name will still be there.
1: Oh, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. We're winning this year. I'm fine with that. Oh, I am too. I am too. No, I. And again, thank y'all so much for going out and voting. It really means a lot because there are hundreds and hundreds of podcasts on that page that you can vote for. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's crazy. And and to be amongst some of those great podcasts uh, that were nominated is is very uh, humbling. So seriously, in in all seriousness, no joking. We really do appreciate that. Here is something serious though. So uh, Game Genic uh, reached out to me a few weeks ago, Tony, and said, hey, we're coming out with some new sets of dice. Would you guys like to check them out? And I said, sure, I like dice. Vanessa said, oh, you're going to get dice? Yes, get dice. So they sent me these four packs of dice that are your standard seven set dice, uh, basically use, you know, D&D RPGs and everything like that. And they have two different series. They have the Galaxy series, And they have the Embraced series. And these are very different. So the the Galaxy series are nicknamed. Like this one's called Moon. And this one's called Mars. It has a a green tint to it. Really, really sharp looking dice. Great contrast. So it's easy to read the numbers and everything like that. These are super nice. They're kind of like your standard looking acrylic dice. But then they have these. The Embraced series. Uh, This one's called Green Skull. And in every die there is a little skull that's oh. inside the die. Uh, it just it just looks neat. And then this one is a ship. It's like a ghost ship. It's called a cursed ship. And so they're, they're see-through, except for you see that little model inside each of the die, which I think are really cool. So that is really, really unique. These just actually just hit the market. Mm. Um, I tell you, I've been a fan of Game Genic for a while, and I'll be honest, Tony. Remember last year when we set up a, and did our gameplay at the Ultra Pro? Mm-hmm. Uh, booth, they're right beside Game Genic. And I remember looking at their stuff going, man, they got they got nice stuff over there. Because we actually got a tour with, uh, they're owned by Asmoday. Mm-hmm. And we got to check out some of their products from uh, Asmoday. They have some really, really nice things like, uh, especially organizers, card yes. organizers and deck organizers, really sweet.
0: I like the organizers, the ones that were modular that you could, you know, put various Put them together like a little Tetris piece, things like that. That was really interesting. So the dice, uh, when you were talking about the ship and all, it made me think back to the people that just went out and ordered the Arby's RPG dice. Yes. So if you didn't get those, head over to Miniature Market and look for these. You can get a little ghost ship instead of a little um, bell for Arby's. (laughs) And okay, I know it's a hat. All right, fine. I still think it looks like a bell. And or the skull. I want to go check out and see what other ones they got in there. Not that I need RPG dice. However, I might be needing some RPG dice if I can't find my other sets because I saw in our email somebody had something very special recently delivered.
1: Free Publishing just released their version of the Lord of the Ring RPG 5e books. I got the core rule book, Mm -hmm. uh, which is super nice. I got the... The Shire Adventures, which I guess is a set of scenarios. Nice. It's, it's, it's a supplement that looks really cool. And the Lore Master board. I haven't opened this yet, but it's going to be like a typical board where it has all the rules inside mm-hmm. for the GM to use and everything like that. I, I mean, I just literally got this. I hadn't even taken the, the shrink off yet, but I remember uh, I had said that uh, when I get these, I would love to run a session uh, on our Discord channel. Uh, a lot of people have been doing that uh, on our Discord channel where they just like a one-shot scenario. And I love to learn the rules of this game. And this is going to be easy to learn because it's based on D&D 5e. So it's Lord of the Rings 5e, which means the dice that you just mentioned can be used in this because you need that, those standard uh, set of die for, for 5e. So I'm going to dig into this. And if you're interested in, in possibly joining us, join our Discord channel. And we're going to see about doing this. And I know, Tony, you had promised the same sort of thing when we get the My Little Pony RPG when it's released. Running a session of that with people like it was like going to be me and Rob from Blue Peg, Pink Peg. And Christina, yes, if they have the
0: time. So, you, all right. This is where I get so confused. I know there was the One Ring. Which is its own system. And then we had the other Lord of the Ring games, uh, books that I have.
1: So what happened is that company lost the rights.
0: Okay. Is that a but that was a Five E system as well.
1: It was Free League got the rights okay. and re released and tweaked the One Ring rule set, and then this is the brand new Five uh, E edition that they released. So they t- the
0: one before the Five E that came out they tweaked that one and brought it into the Five E and not from the other publishers.
1: Yes, because I actually, I kickstarted the one ring and over my shoulder, I've got all the one ring stuff on the shelf over there. Um, So I got all the books I ordered from that on the Kickstarter that came out first that came last year. And this was the newest thing that just came out from them.
0: Okay. Cause the other day Donna goes, what are these books? I I had stashed away all my RPG books in the um, guest bedroom on the stand on the uh, nightstand beside the bed. And she Mm -hmm. goes, why do you have something in every fricking room of this house? I'm same way. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, okay, you've got the game closet. You've got games upstairs. You've got games in the closet where your office is. And now I'm seeing these books in here. And I say, well, good. Don't open the closet door. (laughs) (laughs) And let's just leave it at that. And she's like, I, 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 and then she left. And I said, Yeah. Okay. I go, it's fair. And then she goes, And then I see on your credit card, you just ordered something. And I went, Well, yeah, I had to. It was, I got an Easter egg. And we talked about this last time 20% off. I had to. You can't pass up 20%. 20% off. No, you got to do that. You got to do that. And she goes, Well, what'd you get? Is it something I'll like? And I'm like, No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now, you did just get something that I think y'all like, and that's that uh, Sagrada. Yes, the legacy version of it. Yeah, that just came out, and she seemed pretty interested uh, in that.
0: She was very excited with that, but unfortunately, it will have to wait till June 1, and then we are so going to crack that thing open. She's got to make a wedding cake. She's got to finish planning the wedding. I'm tired of this wedding stuff. Can we
1: hurry it up? I hear you, man. I hear you. So anyway, uh, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Go join our Discord channel. I want to read the rules and possibly want to run a session. And before we finish up, I do want to go back to uh, Game Genic. They threw a couple of extra things in the boxes, which I thought are cool. If you're into card games like Magic or stuff where you need a life counter, they've come out with their own versions of a a life counter. There is a a set of four they come out with. Uh, That's a little circular disc. They're nice and plastic. You ain't got to assemble them or anything like that. And they go up to a uh, life of uh, 21 they're very easy. There's four different colors. Uh, very easy to use.
0: Oh, I like that. What he's showing on the screen, I really like that because it's clear, except you know, so you can see the numbers behind it and they're not covered up. So you know which way to turn. Because I always, it's like a USB cord for me. I don't <laughs> care how I put it on. Am, uh, 90% I'm wrong.
1: <laughs> well, then you probably won't be as thrilled with the next one because Uh-oh. they sent another counter. Uh, this one goes up to 99, but it's the two dials. So you don't exactly know which way to go. But once again, this is a nice plastic heavy-duty counter uh, pre-assembled. So if you need to go like for Commander, uh, if, you know, because Commander starts at 40 life. Uh, so if you need something that goes up higher than 21, they also have uh, life counters that uh, go up to 99. This is a real nice thing, so, too. So let me this ask is you another something. This product they just came out with. Yeah. So,
0: so on that counter that goes up to 99, 99. uh who? Mm-hmm. Well, there was
1: 99, that was Toto, 99, 99. but there's also 99 red luff balloons, which I thought about too. So if you turn it counterclockwise, does it increase? Counterclockwise, which for you is going to be like this. Nope. It's going to be like this.
0: I can't focus. This camera's not. So when you look at it,
1: turn it counterclockwise, does it increase one and decrease the other? Oh, great question. So I'm on 99 right now. So on the left dial, I'm going to go counterclockwise one. It goes to zero. On the right dial, go counterclockwise, the same direction, or the other direction? Go counterclockwise. It goes to zero. All right. So they both go to zero. Going So they're, so, they're set the same way. You go counterclockwise. So you go counterclockwise to increase,
0: clockwise to decrease. Yeah.
1: So it's going to go 33, 44, 55, 66 as I go counterclockwise on both of them.
0: Yeah, so... Like I will ever remember that. I was just kind of curious because I never really thought about that do If you spin them counterclockwise, you're increasing if you're spinning clockwise, you're decreasing
1: okay all right, so anyway, game genic uh light doing life counters now and uh dice uh so that's getting uh not not only a way to organize the cards but also a uh, way to track life from magic games and uh i'm gonna I'll be using these dice for the uh, RPG session
0: well i've I will go find mine so I can be included. I'm going to be a um, grumpy dwarf. That's all there is to it.
1: And I would expect nothing less. Mm -hmm. So, what did
0: you bring me? Well, I brought you a new flavor of Mountain Dew. Taste buds. Taste buds. Taste buds. Stas. Taste buds, Two incredible stars. Taste buds, they're just a bunch of, they're just a bunch of. So we have the summer flavor of Mountain Dew coming out. And unfortunately, there are no zeros, or Marty would be able to drink all of this. But he's got he has got to watch his figures. What's it called? And, I'll get there. One hundred and sixty calories here, but it's called uh, Summer Freeze. Takes me away. No,
1: that was gonna do it. Well, then Summer okay. Freeze <laughs> makes me feel fine, blowing through the no shadows blowing, of, my shadow of my mind. <laughs> Y'all turn in for the singing, don't you? Y'all secretly turn in for the singing. Uh, Yeah, so Summer Freeze. Unfortunately, it is not zero sugar. So I told Vanessa you will be trying this because I will not be drinking this whole thing. Does it even say what it's flavored as?
0: It's natural and artificially flavored. Well, that's good to know.
1: (laughs) A blast of Summer.
0: that Americana? Yeah. Yeah. So Americana... It's got it's got the little uh, red, white, and blue popsicles on it. Yeah, and I never had those. The rocket ship popsicles. I don't. I don't oh, I don't. Yeah. Uh, what were their flavors? Just vanilla. I, uh, well, blueberry, cherry, or strawberry. And I can't remember what the white was. I, I never had them, so I don't know. I was not that special when I grew up. Uh, if we had popsicles, we had those things that were the freeze. Oh. Uh. Yeah, and the plastic things. You have yeah. to cut the top off. Cut the top yeah. off, and then you sit there and, yeah, suck yeah. on them all. Yeah, that was Do you really... not have
1: a ice cream truck come through your neighborhood living in the Charlotte?
0: Uh, yeah, but he did, He wouldn't slow down.
1: <laughs> that, that's the Eddie Murphy yeah. thing. <laughs> the ice cream man's coming. I know he saw us, and he wouldn't slow down. <laughs> he but fly by. Oh, this,
0: this came up the other day. Um, the guy who would slow down did you ever get,
1: um, what was it, Charles Chips? Oh, my gosh. By a blast from the past. Holy cow. Rarely because I lived out in the boondocks, mm-hmm. but every once in a while, yes, I would see the Charles Chips truck, and you got them in the big tins, right?
0: Right. The big tins that had the cone in the bottom to keep things from bla Pringles thought they had something. No. <laughs> no. uh uh-uh. Charles Chips. Are and they I- even still around? I do not know. I, there is something since 1942. It's been delivering smiles. So it. I don't know if it's by the same company, but yes. Oh, I, I remember that. I mean, my mom would 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 surprise us with the tin of chocolate chip cookies that were hard as rocks. But oh, they were so good. Oh, I didn't know they did cookies also. Yeah, and pretzels and all kinds of stuff.
1: So anyway, oh. so let's do a taste buds. <laughs> let's talk about the taste buds of Mountain oh. Dew. <laughs> Sorry, nostalgia here. All right, here we go. Mountain Dew, Summer Freeze. Popping it open. All right. That's right. I of they're starting to smell the same.
0: They are. That's right. That's like um, Spark. It's. I bet it's cheaper to just redesign the cans than it is to create a new flavor. Oh, 100%. All right,
1: you ready to try this? How, what's this is it fruity?
0: It's definitely fruity. I'm trying to think, is it a heavy blueberry or it's not Raspberry. Oh, really,
1: I get I do kind of sense raspberry, but yeah, I there's raspberry, wrong. I'm not yeah, all
0: right, Let's here say,
1: we, here we right, go, here we go. why does everything taste like a wine punch to me? Woo, it's tart on the end, it's tart, yeah, it is woo, sweet going in, tart going down, hmm, sour patch kids, wow, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's something at the end that I don't like in the aftertaste. Yeah, that aftertaste is getting me right there. It's, not it's like when good. it's in your mouth, when it's up against your palate, it's good. But mm-hmm. once it's gone, it leaves something behind. That, oh yeah, absolutely. I was like, whoa. All
0: right, we're yeah. gonna we'll set that over there. Oh, now it contains zero uh, percent juice. Imagine that.
1: A hundred percent what? I don't know. I
0: don't know. It's got some chemicals in it. So when we had game day, uh, to tie this all up, I did give you a Taste Buds uh, game day the other day with um, Pepsi Zero versus Coke Zero. Now, yes. th-
1: had you never the new improved Pepsi Zero? I had not had it. So it's funny that you say that. When I got home, I told Vanessa about it. She said, yeah, we just bought something that says new and improved. I went, have I been drinking this and just not knowing that it was the new flavor? I'm, maybe I have, and I just didn't okay. catch that it was on there. <laughs> so mentally, maybe I felt like I was trying something new, but maybe I wasn't, but it definitely had more of that burn, mm-hmm. which I find with the Coke. Yes. And do you like the burn? I used to prefer Pepsi because it didn't have as much burn. Okay. But so right after I had the Coke zero and the burn of that was way less than the burn of the Pepsi zero. Mm-hmm. So, maybe they're trying to outburn one of these. I don't know. I mean, it, it was good. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I like the taste of the Pepsi, and I think it does taste closer to Pepsi, but I haven't had a real Pepsi in forever. So, it's really hard to compare. So, for this Mountain Dew Taste Buds segment, summer freeze makes me feel fine, leaves an
0: aftertaste on my mind.
1: Hey, y'all, last episode, we talked about our brand new sponsor, Game Toppers LLC. And guess what? We have a code for y'all to use, RDTN15, to get 15% off all mats and accessories. And since we've announced that code, the president and godfather of the company has contacted me, Kevin, and he said, by the way, nobody's used your code yet. And uh, he said, maybe you need to reference page 62 section 4 of the contract so i quickly flipped over and come to find out y'all if this code isn't used there's some terminology in there has to do with breaking of kneecaps y'all we like our kneecaps I think they're useful in walking and stuff like that. We're we're already dealing with a lot of uh, stuff as we get older, anyway, with joints and everything. So we don't need the kneecaps broken. So, how about this? Y'all head over to GameToppersLLC.com, check out their stuff. If you get something, use code RDTN15. And if you don't, hey, could you at least put in a word saying, hey, I heard RDTN's ad. Just want to let you know I'm here. Save the kneecaps, okay, y'all? One of the hot
0: new games is from Inside Up Games called Earth, designed by Maxime Tardif. And this is a game where you are on an island, building your own bionome. <laughs> what? It is. Is
1: Is it is it a bionome?
0: I didn't really read the, the theme. Okay, you didn't really read the theme? Because overall, I mean, what you're doing is you're gathering cards, trying to achieve certain objectives that are on your board or on the main player board, and achieving those objectives near the end of the game gets you victory points along with a bunch of other conditions that give you victory points. And once the um somebody fills up their entire 4 by 4 grid, game's over.
1: It's an engine builder. It's an engine builder. Which we typically like. Yeah. Where your engine is basically cards that you play and put into your tableau. Mm-hmm. Would you say a more complicated version of something like Wingspan as far as how cards are played and they're activated? I would say from a memory standpoint, yes. Where
0: or on, where on Wingspan, you follow a, down a board of saying, okay, I'm taking this action, and as I move my little cube down the board, I'm activating cards. Here, as you build your tableau in a in a 4 by 4 grid, you're going down each of those rows, but you've got to remember to go over there and do it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so there's different color action cards Mm -hmm. uh, that you can put into your tableau. And then there's one of four actions that you as a player can take. And whichever those four actions you take, you can then activate any cards that have that same matching color. Right.
0: Do we want to talk about the
1: four actions that you take? I mean, they're pretty darn straightforward. The most important probably is with the growth one. How do you get cards from your hand onto your tableau? You take the green action, which allows you to actually put cards onto the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, The most important resource of the game is soil. Uh, There is one action which allows you to collect a lot of soil that you will be used to spend to actually get cards on the table. Well, how do you get more cards? Well, there's an action to be able to draw some cards Mm. to your hand to to be able to play them. Once you have cards on the table... Some of those have like little sprouts that you need to put on the cards. There's an action that lets you take sprout cubes and put them on the cards because those sprouts are going to count as victory points. And then there's also one, it's like you want to grow some some trees, some mm-hmm. stalks. Got some trunks, yeah. So then there's one that's like where you can put little trunk pieces on your board because it says, hey, this card right here can have a trunk up to X height, like three, and you can put like little trunk pieces. Why do you want to do that? Because each of those trunk pieces are worth some victory points. So your four main actions are some sort of combination of those. But Tony, what we love best is we hate player downtime. We talk about that's usually a one big negative for all of us. The thing about this game is whoever the acting player is, will pick one of those four colors. Everybody else gets to take a kind of a weaker secondary action of that color on their own board and in their tableau. So everybody's playing pretty much at the exact same time with no downtime. Yep.
0: Can't find out if Marty's cheating over there or watching make sure Mark is doing and not moving his That's cards true. around.
1: Which could be a negative. It could be. Because you might look up and it's like, how did you get all those? How would you get that seven foot tree built over there? I know. Where did you
0: take them trunk actions? I'm not sure. Well, this card allowed <laughs> me to do this. And when you did that, and then I did this, and then I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I don't care. Well, And also during your turn or anybody's turn, there are event cards that you can play and these event cards have some benefits, but they also might have negative victory points at the end of the game. So the better the event, the more negative victory points you might get. I mean, I didn't see all the events. I know I had a, I had a couple that I had a hurricane. It rocked my world and I will have had to wipe out some stuff But I got to put a bunch of little green cubes on cards. So I had to knock a tree down, but then I had to put a bunch of green cubes because my forest got reestablished So you have these event cards in your tableau. You would have cards that give you the ability to score more victory points based on someone else's tableau. So you need to be Mm -hmm. watching what those people are doing on their turn. This is, as Marty says, an engine builder. You are trying to generate the most points at the end of the game by either a strategy set by objectives on your board or the objectives on the central board. Two ways to play this. There's the uh, the beginners, the standards, and the advanced. Now we are true board gamers here at Rolling Dice and Taking Names, and we did the advanced on our first play. All it did was allow us to have more objectives, and also allow us to choose from cards that let us start our initial island. Or um, I, I like the word bionome Let's call it bionome
1: And the way the uh, the cards are activated is, and this is very important. When you build your tableau, you can never reorder your cards. Nope. Uh, So they're, they're set in place. And once they get to four wide, you can't change the order that that's the four width they're going to be because let's say you activate the orange action, which is give you five soil and put two cards into compost. Compost is another type of resource too. That's actually worth it. There's a lot of things worth victory points at the end of the game and compost is another thing you would go through on your main board, activate all your cards that are, have orange actions. Then go to your tableau, start at the top row on the left, go from left to right, and resolve any cards that you want that has the orange action on it. So you may want to make sure to put in order. Well, this card's going to give me this, then on the next orange card over here, I can spin in order to give me something else. That's where order matters in resolving uh those actions.
0: So, Marty, you've recently played wingspan with me. Yes. Matter of fact, we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. And
1: what did you think of this? How does it compare for you or other engine builders? I love engine builders. I mean, I love things like Imperial settlers. It scratches that engine builder itch. I think the thing that I love the most is the, the no downtime mm-hmm. and my gosh, there are hundreds of cards. It took us forever to to shuffle those cards. That's And that's good in the fact that every game will feel different because you always have different cards but there's hundreds of cards, which means every time you get a card, you need to read it, the ability and how it works and how it synergizes. And once your hand gets full of cards, my brain started kind of frying a little bit. It's like, well, which card should I put together to get on the table to be able to build the most victory points? Mm-hmm.
0: But there were a lot of actions that allowed you to send cards from your hand to your compost.
1: Yeah. So that was kind of early on. I saw a way with some cards I had that when the red action was taken, I could take cards and put them in my compost. And then each one of those was worth a victory point at the end of the game. So I had an engine builder to constantly put cards in that. Basically what it is is a victory point tile. Now, somebody like Mark was trying to build these trees. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to build all these trunks all over his board. And then was it you or Bert that had a bunch of the sprouts all over the place? It was Bert. It was not me. Yeah. His, so I looked at his tableau, and there's green cubes everywhere. So he's trying to get points from there. But again, Tony, like you said, what's important is is those common victory point objectives and your own personal victory point objective that's really going to direct you the way that you need to go each game, which creates a lot of replayability. Yes. So
0: here's the probably one of the things I liked more about Earth than Wingspan. And I play Wingspan a lot still with with Donna. Okay. We, we enjoy the game. And purchasing the the cards in Wingspan, you would have three cards out there that you would be able to select the birds, right? Mm -hmm. Here, there is no market that you can go through. You're drawing straight from the top of a deck. Right. Okay. What I liked about that was the fact that the amount of cards we were cycling through, even though the decks were big, we cycled through pretty much the entire deck based Mm -hmm. on people drawing cards and putting cards in compost and things like that. That is one thing that I find, except with the new Wingspan board, where you're able to pay um, food to be able to cycle through the marketplace. I like this a lot. I like the fact that I was seeing a ton of cards. You may have fried your brain, but I liked how I was sitting there adjusting strategies or possibly getting cards that made the strategy I was trying to achieve go, you know, help the engine, got a little bit more spark to the engine. I went from a V6 to a V8. That's what I enjoyed about
1: that. I will say I appreciate the length of the game. With so many things going on, four players is 90 minutes or less easily. It moves quick. Because there is no downtime, you feel like you're constantly doing stuff. I really enjoyed it. Another game that is kind of a, a combo engine builder you know, is Arc Nova. The length of that game is what keeps me from getting that to the table. Mm-hmm. I would put this on there before that. Mm-hmm.
0: But what would keep me from putting this on the table, I think is for like with my small gaming group or with Donna, even for a two-player game where I like putting Wingspan on the table, this may not be something for her, okay? Mm -hmm. Because of the amount of card and being able to go through and process all that. Not saying she couldn't. It's just something that could be, like you said, overwhelming. So let me just keep this, tracking those actions. Simple things like that make a difference. I would put this on the table anytime. I enjoy those quick engine builders, and this is truly very quick.
1: Now, now, I will say the theme doesn't jump out to me, and I'm very consistent with this, y'all. The nature theme is just kind of tired for me, but in most classic Euro form, you don't really think about the theme once you start playing the game. Mm-hmm. You're literally just looking at trying to get pieces where pieces need to go in order to generate victory points.
0: It did look cool seeing all the little trees out there and all the sprouts
1: yes the photography is super nice mm-hmm. uh, each card is unique they have a little flavor text if you want to learn it's very educational if you want to learn about nature and all these things And it is, it is very sharp looking but again it's just one of those themes that's not going to jump out to me but guess what that, do, that would not deter me from playing this game that does not hurt my evaluation of this game I do like engine builders and I think this one is really clever now I will say Tony even though you resolved the way I mentioned, I never saw that as an issue for me. Mm-mm. I don't think anybody had the issue. It was like, oh, crap, I wish I had flipped these two cards. It didn't seem as critical to me as what I thought it would have been when I first read the rules. Mm-hmm.
0: I did wish I had not placed one card somewhere because I would have had a better opportunity to synergize with another card, but that's just the way the game plays.
1: And actually there are some cards that say you're gonna get victory points at the end based on what cards are around it at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh that's important too. It's like, oh, okay, well, if you can get this type of card around. Okay. So that that's nothing. There are a lot of icons, y'all. I will say that. There are a lot of icons. There are action icons. There are types of cards icons, mm-hmm. and you're constantly looking at those and you and you kind of got to keep those straight. There are some things that mean like OK, this is something that you do, whether something else is just, oh, this is a type of something. Oh, this is a mushroom. And you might have another card that says, oh, by the way, every time you play a mushroom card, it's going to cost one less soil in order to play that card. Actually, that was one of the cards I had. So there are a lot of icons. Learning how to read the cards may take a little bit of time, but it becomes kind of second nature after a while.
0: And that is the other thing. you got to remember what's in your tableau and not forget, like you said, cost mushrooms, one less. I had that card in my tableau. And I kept forgetting that I didn't need as much dirt.
1: But that is every single engine builder, right? Mm -hmm. Every engine builder, I will say the word suffers, suffers from the fact that you must must be very cognizant of every card in play and not forget something that would have benefited you.
0: Same thing happens in Wingspan. When another player does this, you can do that.
1: Same thing happens in Imperial Settlers. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, crap, I did this over here. I could have done this other card over here and forgot to do it. Right.
0: So you just have to. And that's where it helps having people say what they're doing. But however, for this game, that's on you to keep track of your tableau. You're not having to worry about when someone else does. Well, there may have been some cards like that. I can't, I didn't see any, I don't remember any cards saying, Hey, if Marty does this on his little bio gnome over here, you need to pay attention over here. I, I don't remember that ever. Occurring. I don't,
1: I don't remember. See, the only thing I saw was that what you mentioned earlier was, Hey, at the end of the game, you're going to get points based on the number of like for mine is the number of red action cards. Somebody has right. in their tableau.
0: So, and, Oh, and tons of objectives, tons, double-sided objective cards. You, you yeah, you, you'll never see the same combo again.
1: Replayability is out, out of the roof. Mm-hmm. With so many cards and so many objectives, every game is really going to feel different.
0: All right. I'm wrapping this one up. Are you done? I'm good. All right. This is Earth from Inside Up Games. Marty and Say, if you want a new engine builder that's about building your own Bionome, go out and give it a shot.
1: Five minute initiative begins in three, two,
0: one in 2019 this little game came out which may have started the nature revolution i don't know but it but it was oh it for sure did it did okay and this is of course wingspan designer elizabeth hargrave you know put out by Stonemeyer games and everybody went bird wild over this not hog wild bird wild because in all fairness marty this is a very straightforward entry level, in my opinion, a worker placement style game. Easy to teach, easy to understand. And, matter of fact, every time I have taught it, people within the first few placements of cubes began to understand. Now, they're not masters, they're not whatever a bird watcher is called, there's a special word for it. They they have to learn the victory points and things like that from this game. So Wingspan, I play, I would say, probably two or three times a year, not including what's on the Switch and all the digital platforms that are out there. Now, I know that this probably doesn't hit your uh, table as much as it does mine, Wingspan.
1: I don't even have a copy, so that would be zero.
0: That's because you know I will bring it out anytime you want to. And
1: matter of fact... I just recently
0: got, purchased up, Wingspan Asia mm-hmm. for two reasons only. Okay. Two reasons only. The first reason is Wingspan Asia is a standalone game where you don't have to have the base game. Okay. Because it is designed for people, for for two players. It, it, you can still have a single player, but it is designed for two players. And you and I got to play that. It also also allows you to take the base game and expand it to more than five players. You can now go to six and seven. It plays to seven, which is big because I know our group uh, that we ha- uh, will go gaming with. There's usually six. It's not like well, I can say, well, you go sit on the couch, go play with your Switch because these people don't have one. I would have been happy, but then Donna would get upset with me. But Wingspan Asia allows that to happen. Now, the two player plays like typical Wingspan, where you're going out, you're going to populate your bird board, you're going to be uh, laying some eggs, you're going to be getting some food to play the birds, not going to go into a whole lot of effort here on explaining Wingspan. But Asia, when you play a bird to your bird board, you then go to a secondary board where you claim an area. And this is another way to score points. So you're competing with one another to build a large contiguous population on this board to allow you to get more points. And you're also competing against the general round end scoring points. That's Wingspan Asia. It, it added an additional board for you and gave you some special end round scoring. What'd you think of that additional board, Marty? The, the placing of birds out there. Or of the symbols.
1: Yeah, it just gave you an additional decision to make on your turn in order to tr- try to decide when to play a bird into a certain spot and on your drafting of birds because you might want to draft a certain symbol or type of bird so you could claim that spot on the secondary board to try to continue your line or possibly block somebody else. So it just added in one extra element of drafting and deciding when to play that bird to try to cut somebody off or make sure to try to grab an important spot on that board so you can make as long a line as possible for that in-game scoring.
0: Also on that board, there were some additional bonuses.
1: I I didn't find that to be as important. Oh, you mean like if you claimed one of the spots, you might get like an egg or something like that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, the official term for bird watching is bird watching. It's
0: not ornacothia
1: or That's a person who studies bird. That's an ornithologist. Ornithology. But if just for like you and me to go out and take out binoculars, it's either called birding or bird watching. Do
0: you ever do that?
1: No. You don't? No. I mean, we have a lot of birds out here. Vanessa has a binocular. Sometimes she would look at them, but no.
0: No, you wouldn't do that? Okay. I mean,
1: I I mean, no. No. I mean, seeing birds out there is interesting. It's like, oh, there's a cardinal, there's a hawk, but I don't purposely go out and just sit there and look for them. I don't
0: either. I don't. No, I do like watching the birds of prey. That's kind of cool. That that's kind of wild to see. The TV show, the comic book.
1: Oh, you no. mean oh, you mean like after Raptors,
0: the Raptors. The well, you got dinosaurs.
1: So, have you ever been to the Raptor Center in Charlotte? Yes, I love that place. That's mainly birds of prey: owls, hawks, eagles, vultures. That is really cool.
0: Yeah, and, and they're scary.
1: Yeah. Do you know what makes a raptor?
0: Uh, a scientist.
1: What's the characteristics <laughs> of a bird that makes it a raptor? Uh, let me guess. I'm going to guess. Go for it. First
0: off, first off, the eyes will be facing more forward
1: than on their side, maybe. And then a hooked beak. Hooked beak, for sure. I'm doing this off memories, so I could be wrong. And then uh, the talons. Large uh, the talons. The talons. For being able to rip apart. It's, it's all about capturing things and ripping apart flesh. And that hooked beak is used for tearing flesh. Wow, we went off the deep end here on and the vultures bird thing. poop on their legs to keep themselves cool. Do you know they
0: also poop on power lines? Well, didn't all birds poop on power lines? Well, bu- buzzards are worse at it because before they take off, they do the weight thing, and that's why we had to put up a uh, buzzard shield guards.
1: Ah, so you so you say buzzards instead of vultures? Buzz, yeah.
0: are, yes, turkey turkey turkey. Tur- Vultures or buzzards? I, I say buzzards. Vult- I know they're vultures for- and
1: buzzards. Somehow over here, we got buzzards, but the buzzards and vultures are pretty much the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But anyway, uh, did you know that vultures will throw up in order to scare off predators? I, I did not know that.
0: Did you know turkeys can't fly? That's what I saw in WKRP. Okay.
1: What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Wingspan! Asia! <laughs> Asia, yes, if you're looking for a two-player version of Wingspan, add in this expansion. I think it's clever. Yeah. I I do think it adds an extra element. If you want to play with six or seven people, then you got to get this version
0: there, yeah. done. I, I agree, and one of my favorite things about it is there's enough components in the box. You don't have to bring in the other uh, expansions just to play the two players. He brings in a nice... You know, you got all the eggs, all the food, everything you need. You got both sides of the board from a previous expansion. One thing I will never do for these expansions is merge all the bird decks together. I can't do that because of I think it dilutes it down. You don't get to use various card abilities from that standpoint. I like all the actions that they continue to do. I'm I'm wondering. I know there's let's see, that's you know over 200 plus bird bird cards out there now. I didn't know there were that many birds that you could do. The artwork is amazing, but yes, to Marty's point. If you enjoy Wingspan, if you want an uh, opportunity to just play it as two people versus just playing birds on a, on a deck or on your player board, this is the one to go to because the duet um, board will definitely give you more decision-making while you're playing this game. Wingspan Asia, Elizabeth
1: Hargrave, Stonemeyer Games. And I almost guarantee you that somewhere from this segment, we're going to be owing somebody $5, so just get ready for it. Five-minute initiative is complete. I swear, I, I can't keep up, Tony, with all the deals at Miniature Market. So, like, right now, there's, like, earn five times points site-wide uh, when you log into your miniature market account. So when you when you buy something, you get five times the points. You know, those rewards can be used for earning credit towards future games. But the sad point is these deals come and go so quick, we don't have time to record them and tell people about it no. because it goes off tomorrow, the time of our recording. So the only thing I can say, y'all, is to make sure to uh, subscribe to Miniature Markets newsletter. So you can keep up with these sales. We are very fortunate. There are several people on our Discord channel Tony. that if there's a big sale that will come up, usually they'll let us know from the miniature market that they're doing it. A lot of people may jump on it real quick. And you do have to jump on these deals pretty fast because lots of times this stuff will sell out quickly, especially on really good deals. Mm -hmm. It seems to me at this time, as we come up on Origins and Gen Con, that they're trying to start clearing up maybe the warehouse Mm -hmm. for all the new releases. So keep Absolutely. an eye out for some uh, really big deals uh, coming out from them.
0: And in addition of offering discounts on the board games, Minch Market has a rewards program. I know I've accumulated a lot of points that helps get you some discounts, especially as we get close to Gen Con. You know You'll be able to get those new games with, using your discount rewards. And also when buying games, they have a review sesh, uh, review area for each of the games. And it's important to read those product reviews, but better yet, games you hear about here are also posted over at miniaturemarket.com check those out oh
1: we were suffering until suffering oh. not a woman who could vote no matter what age then the 19th amendment struck down that restrictive rule oh, yeah. Tony, do you remember that song from Schoolhouse Rock? Oh yeah. Teaching about the Nineteenth Amendment. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, I do. And and all the the little cartoons. I, I'm using the Schoolhouse Rock as some of my trivia for the neighborhood. Because I love it. Oh, so you are much. Oh, t- uh, test me on one. You got any? Uh yes. Uh What was the name of the guy who threw the ball the wrong way in interjection? He had a name? Yeah. Uh when, mm-hmm, found he had the Ball, all. he made a connection oh, in the wow. other I, direction and the crowd started shouting out interjection <laughs> so what was it because it's not going to come to me franklin franklin okay yeah that wouldn't have come to me well, yeah franklin found he had the
1: ball that's
0: hard well this was the fifth round i have to make them harder in the fifth round wow to separate you know the true trivia people and they also hate when i throw in my pop culture
1: I assume you ban phones for this. Yes. They, they, they're they welcome to uh,
0: bring the phones uh, in, but they can't use them for the thing. I don't check them at the door, which is fine. I don't care if they cheat. It's not like they're playing for anything because our neighborhood got rid of the prize because it was against uh, the law to give out prizes to, the, to people. But that's another thing. We are here to talk about Vote <laughs> for Women, a uh, board game by Tori Brown. Mm-hmm. And it is from Fort...
1: Circle Games. Did I do mm-hmm. that right?
0: And then they do the one that we really, 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 really,
1: really shores of Tripoli. Ah, yes. yeah, that was our first game. Love that game. So that's one of those uh, publishers where now it's like uh, whatever you have coming out, I'm I'm really interested in. In fact, uh, they have a follow up game to shores of Tripoli called Halls of Montezuma. The halls of Montezuma. Yeah, I just
0: went to the um, uh, Marine Corps uh, Museum up in D.C. Uh huh. That was if you're in that area. You should go do that. Sounds good. It's yeah. very good. Um, surprise! you learn.
1: I, I hate when you go to a museum and learn something. <laughs> it's such, I have so many more important things to do than learn. Well, it's funny that you say learn because actually this is a game where you can actually learn stuff. What this does, this the, the subtitle of this game is Join the American Women's Suffrage Movement from 1848 to 1920. So basically it tracks that period of time uh, when women and men were trying to fight for the uh, rights for women to be able to vote. And it was obviously a very long process that culminated in the adding the 19th Amendment to the Constitution, uh, which gave them the right. So it's an historical look of the different things that the movements had to go through to try to get this passed. And it's done basically by trying to get support of the states. Mm-hmm. And so you got a, a, a really, really uh, nice map with some really nice game pieces that are on the board. And essentially, one side is playing as the opposition. The other side is playing as a suffragist. And each of you are fighting over control of the states in order to get their vote to either support or go against it, depending on uh, which side you're on. So at its core, Tony, I guess it's an area control or mid uh, Style game or majority control style game. Yeah. So the first thing that I had forgotten that I relearned was
0: that an amendment to the Constitution of the United States cannot be happen unless the states ratify it. You don't remember that? I'd forgotten it.
1: Yes. Do you remember how what uh, percentage it needs? It's got to just be fifty-one uh, percent. No.
0: Incorrect. No, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. It's got to be...
1: And I was going to complain about today's schools not teaching civics, and never mind, you're just proving me wrong.
0: No, no, 51, well, 51% Well, fifty-one is common vote for something. Is it two-thirds?
1: Close. What is it? Three-fourths. Three-fourths, okay. Yeah, so it's three-fourths of the states, but it requires a two-thirds majority vote in the Senate and House to even send it to the states. And that's even represented in this game, mm-hmm. because before the, the states can even vote on it, Congress has to uh, vote for it to even get out to the states to vote. So that's kind of what you're trying to do from each side is one is trying to get Congress to even throw it out to the states to vote for. And then once that happens, you want to get approval on your side in each of the states to vote your way. And if the people who want the vote for women get the 36 states, they win. If the people who don't want the women to have the vote get 13, they win. Correct. That's the game. Yeah. And it is done through, this is a card driven game Mm -hmm. done through card play. So at the beginning of your uh, turn, you're going to draw cards and each of you are going to play six cards back and forth over the course of your turn. And to take an action, you have to play a card. The card has an event on it. You could play it for the event or you could take one of the standard actions that are available, available to you, but you still have to discard a card to even take one of those actions. It was a very easy game to learn which I appreciate for an Mm -hmm. educational game like this, it should be very accessible, which I think it is.
0: As far as the gameplay goes, and I know this, I'm simplifying it, but that's what I do best in my mind is I simplify these things. It is a battle of putting and removing cubes because the, one of the core rules is your cubes can be in a state and before someone else can add a cube for, before the other side can add cubes, they have to remove all your cubes. And that is where if your opponent has got a huge majority in a state, then you may want to just leave it alone. Let them win. But you've got to keep that in check. You just can't let them go ramshot and suddenly load up in a whole area. Mm-hmm. You got to look at that because some of these cards are going to really adjust the board. They're going to swing some of the balance of the cubes and you want that to happen when you lock up a state if those cards come out you're like okay i'm fine i'm protected there and it may force someone else to do another action or or take a go to a different state so that to me marty was some of the game balance
1: that we were trying to achieve during while we were playing this we found it very swingy in the fact that uh, some of these cards are pretty powerful. And by the way, the cards are set up over three errors, which I appreciate. So you're actually kind of playing through history and the cards themselves have a lot of information. They have like actual pictures and little flavor text that tells you a little bit about the card and and what it's doing. But in general, Tony, what I found, most of the cards are adding cubes, uh, maybe drawing a couple cards, playing one. There's one that gets to go through your deck, find a card that you want to play. Remove one of the tokens from Congress that's needed in order to throw the bill to to the states or add one. And so most of the cards kind of did one of those functions. Well, so let's say, Tony, that you were playing. Actually, we did this. I was the opposition and uh, you were the suffragist. You may go, hey, I'm going to play a card. I'm going to put uh, six cubes down here in the South. Boom, 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 boom. Cool. Oh, that, that's nice, Tony. You just did that. Guess what? I'm going to play the card that says... I'm gonna add six cubes in the south, which basically means if you already have a cube there, I just can remove the ones you just put in there. Mm-hmm. So that is constantly what I town found on is that's going back and forth between the game. You may think you have a region locked down, and all it takes for the other person to come in and go, nope, I'm just gonna wipe out all these cubes real quick. Some of the cards that allow you to do that made you roll die. Hmm. The campaigning action. So that's one of the actions you can do. When you discard a card, you could take the campaign action. You actually have campaigner tokens Mm -hmm. that are in different regions of the country. And when you take this action, you're going to roll a certain number of dice depending on the number of campaigners you have on the board and then you'll assign those dice to each of those regions and whatever number you roll, you assign that number of cubes to the board. So that's one of the standard actions that you can take on your turn uh, when you discard a card. So you can play it for an event or discard it to take a campaign action. But I was referencing
0: actual cards that we played for the event. We were sitting there rolling dice constantly. Not only the campaign. Yeah. It was just like, okay. And that you may or may not like that. I've just wasted an event and I'm rolling these dice.
1: Yes. So there is dice rolling in the game. So there is that aspect of the luck. They do have a mechanism to kind of combat that in the main resource that you have in the game are called buttons. Each of you have buttons that you can earn and you can spend a button to re-roll all of your dice. The, the, uh, buttons also allow you those campaigners I talked about er, uh, earlier. When you take a campaign action, you can spend a button to move your campaigner to a different region of the U.S. So I do like that there's just one resource to manage again, which makes it very easy to learn. So the way they mitigate the luck of dice is by spending buttons to re-roll dice.
0: Another action you can take that we seldom use because the cards pretty well manage this for us. And that was um, doing a congressional marker which is you, getting Congress to actually send the amendment to the states. You have to have six on the board and that locks it in and that will send it to the state. Think of it like this. You're sitting there trying to get majorities in the states by placing cubes. And as a side note, as you feel good about your majorities, you may want Congress to go ahead and send the amendment to the states. And the way you do that is lobby, do the lobbying action. But a lot of the cards allow you to send those congressional markers as well because the lobbying action, and this is just Tony's personal opinion, he did not design games at all. You've got to roll a six-sided dice, and if you get a six, a one-in-six chance, you may take one of those congressional markers and put it there if you're the su- playing the suffragist side, and I'm going to screw that word our suffragist side, you can place that marker but if you are on the opposition, you may remove one, or if your the
1: opposition is in great
0: state, you may want to add one. So we each have that action, but
1: I, I, I never did it. Yeah, so it is also based on the number of campaigners. Now there are more campaigners out there for the suffragists than there is for the opposition. I think you, I think we looked up to only get up like to two mm-hmm. opposition, and you can get up like to four for the suffragists. So the number of dice you roll is the number of campaigners on the board. So it is easier for over the course of the game, the long game the suffragists to to roll four dice, hopefully and get a six out of that. But you're right. We found through card play, that was the way to do it. And you mentioned, why would you want to rush it? Because as soon as you get six markers on the Congress and it's thrown to the States, you immediately evaluate the board wherever there are four cubes of one side, they replace those four cubes with either a plus or an X. So if it is four opposition cubes, it's placed with an X, which means they they voted against the amendment. If it's four of the suffragist cubes, it's replaced with a check, which means they approve it. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it's a race then for the opposition to get 13 X's on the board and for the suffragists to get 36 check marks on the board. Now, once you've done that for the areas that don't have four, you still fight over those at that point, but the other states are then locked in. I like that because then that forces, okay, those states are taken care of. There's nothing we can do. So now we have a smaller area that we're now fighting over, trying to get your four cubes onto that state.
0: Other things that can happen is there are strategy cards and state cards that are out there for people to claim. Matter of fact, one before you even go out there and do your, um, your play a card phase, you have the strategy phase, and this is something else the campaign buttons are used for, and that is bidding on these strategy cards that will allow you to possibly negate various things or get to do special actions. They're
1: just special event cards. Yeah, they're a little bit more powerful event cards than, than what we found. And also there's the state cards. Once you get four cubes in a state and at the beginning of the game, the, there's a random set of state cards that are played out that'll be used in that game. If let's say, for example, Ohio is one of those cards, the first person to get four of their cubes in Ohio gets to claim that state card and they'll have a chance to use it at some point in the future in the game.
0: And you don't lose it. Once you, got, once you claim it, once you fourth cube, so if someone comes and removes it, you don't lose that. I I enjoy. I like that. I like when a game does that, where you're not, you know, passing cards back and forth. Hey, I was there first. I got it. And, and strategy and state cards can be played anytime during a round. Um, however, you only get to do one, You either play a strategy or a state card. You don't get to just keep doing it. Like if you've accumulated a lot of them, you can't sit there and play a, play a whole bunch of them. And those are powerful cards.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. And, And so with that, I mean, everything's going along fine. Congress sends it out to the states. We're battling. But let's say we don't make it to the final vote, to the 13 or the 36. Mm -hmm. There's a final vote action. that. So you're thinking, well, do do we end in a tie? No, we don't end in a tie. You go out, and then you have a final vote. So if you did not solidify opposition or approval.
1: After six rounds. Basically, the game goes over six rounds. So after each side has played six cards, basically – Uh, It goes to the next round and you draw up new cards. And by the way, you do have your own separate decks. It's not a shared deck. So there's a suffragist deck and a opposition deck. And again, those are the ones that are sorted by eras. So uh, that's why I like this too, Tony. At the beginning of the game, everything's kind of happening over on the East Coast. But by the end of the game, there's cards out there that's going to allow you to put stuff in the West. So you actually see the states come into play as the years go along as they become part of the union to while eventually at the end of the game, you're putting cubes out in California, et cetera. Yeah. The late cards help you with that. Yep.
0: But if, if we don't get there
1: and, mm-hmm. and we, and we
0: end, and we end the game six, six round turn, whatever. because yeah, after six turns, it, it has been sent to the States, but we don't have a majority. Then we go to a roll off. How does that work? Both sides roll dice and whoever has the majority based on cubes plus the number whoever has the most wins. And if there's a tie, then the opposition gets it unless there's a special card in play. And then the other side gets it. Oh wait, there was another special card that can come into play <laughs> that allows you to not use a six sided. You could use it in a plus eight. That's how the game can end, which is what happened to us in a game. And I
1: felt it was kind of anticlimactic. I agree. And this was interesting because I went and listened and watched to other reviews. And this is going to be a personal preference I saw a couple of reviews where people love the tension of the final roll off. To me, it wasn't rewarding. I felt like we are literally coming down to the roll of a die, to where uh, there were some situations where there were no cubes in play. So it was just a straight roll off, or some maybe one or two cubes. So maybe the other side had an advantage. And literally just going, okay, roll this one. All right, roll this one. Uh, roll this one. Roll this one. Right, I got all mine out. Okay, you win. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. But some people like that. Some people like that tension of like rolling and see who gets it and the tension of like, oh my gosh, I only need two more states and I can win. So I think that's going to be kind of a personal preference. That's the part I agree, Tommy, that kind of felt, wow, I've played this amazing game so far, this amazing air control game, and now it's going to come down to diet rolls. Right. And I understand why that is because you don't want it to drag on. You don't want to keep battling right. over states with
0: cubes and and those campaign buttons, you can use those to get a reroll if you want yes. during, the, during the final. So it's, it's important to, if you're seeing this coming to start collecting those. And by the way, the opposition doesn't have as many
1: opportunities to get the campaign buttons as the other side. No, my gosh. So when I played as the opposition, I was struggling to get buttons. And whereas the suffragist was like, where'd you get that old stack of buttons from? <laughs> so, and, but also too, Remember that the opposition only needs 13 states, Mm -hmm. whereas the suffragist needs 36. It's not 100% asymmetric. Even though you do have your own decks of cards, those cards are really very similar in how they work. Mm -hmm. You have the same types of actions, but your goals are a little different. Where it's important for the suffragist to kind of have everything kind of covered, the opposition we found, like, if you could focus on a couple regions and really kind of lock those down and get 10 or 11 votes and if you go to a final roll off you're probably going to win a couple of those last final roll offs. Mm-hmm.
0: So my final thoughts on this was that I'm used to the heavier games like Shores of Tripoli. Loved it. Great game. And I, and I enjoy the um heavier games along these lines, you know, Twilight Struggle, things like that where we've played recently. Yes. However, I do think this game is a great game to bring someone into this card play. It can bring them in with the historic side of it, the theme of it, to rope them in and say, hey, do you want to try this game out where we're placing cubes out here, playing cards as we try to ratify the 19th Amendment? We want to change history. You know, you're selling this game to someone who may not be really into the big game, especially two player This this can play up to four players, but right now I'm going to tell you play two.
1: And we tried it with four, stick with two. Because literally with four, you're almost sharing hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we like, Tony and I definitely like it better with two.
0: Now, the best thing that when we played it with four was the trash talking.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: <laughs> I mean, say, oh, you can do better on that role, Marty. Come on, spin the button, <laughs> spin the button. Yeah. Come on, Spend big boy. A bu- yeah. What, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with those buttons? After the campaign's over, they're just going to sit in a drawer. Come on. You need to spin those buttons. That's my my thought on this. This is a light game as far as when it comes to these type of area control games.
1: As far as a light game, you're you're looking at 90 minutes or so. Do you think that's too long, or do you think that's a, a good length for this type of game?
0: I think it's a good length for this type of game because it did not feel like the 90 minutes that it took because you're learning things. There is the strategy. There is some of the um, posturing or the positioning out on the board that you're trying to do. And the turns are very fast. Probably the only slowdown was bidding on the strategy cards Mm -hmm. and some of the rolling. When you're sitting there having to re-roll, re-roll. If someone wants to do that, that can take a while or someone rolls dice off the table. You know,
1: Mm -hmm. that that happens. For me, I do like card driven games. Um, especially the historical-type games, and this one's no different. I think there's some clever card usage here where you may have a card that says this can only be played if it's during the Civil War, and there's actually a Civil War card. So there are certain states. On, on the board, there's actually a a place where you can have a card that stays there forever that uh, that's there the whole time and affects the game. There's one only affects the uh, particular turn. So I like how those events can either be there for quite a while or only for one turn. And some cards are reliant on other cards being in play for that to happen. That's good. One thing I did think, though, so when it comes to these style of games, I've been trying to think how to word this. To me, there are some games that enhance the theme and there are some themes that enhance the game. So let me give an example of each. For a game that enhances the theme, when you and I played John Company... It felt like to me, Cole Worley said, I'm going to make the actions of this game totally feel like you're a member of a family and you're trying to get other people up through the ranks and you're hiring people and people are retiring. It felt like the actions of the game drove the theme. Mm-hmm. Now for a theme that influences the game, I liken it to last year or was the year before last when we played Red Flags over Paris. Mm-hmm which was also an area control game where it's like, okay, I'm just putting cubes on the board and I want majority, but the theme of the game is each of us are playing a country and we're fighting over this. And it's, it's it's like the theme itself got you in immersed into the game. That's how I feel about this game. Yes. I think if you strip away the theme, you could retheme it with anything and it would be just kind of a strict area control game. You could literally play the exact same mechanisms with two with different factions on a fantasy map, right? You could. You
0: could actually take the base of this game. And then if you want to do all the amendments, you could.
1: Yeah. The theme enhances the game that, oh, it is about the U.S. Oh, the fact it is about this one particular uh, subject. Oh, the fact that each of us are playing two different sides. That enhances what you're doing and what you're fighting for. It's like, oh, wow, I want to make sure I, I want this to pass. so I need to get this state and this state over here. I got those guys locked down. I need to get this work through Congress. So the theme enhances the gameplay. I do appreciate that. I do appreciate that. a light game. It's easy to get into. I think this is a good educational game. I think this is something that would be very useful in schools, especially when you play the cards, read the card, read the flavor text. You can learn a little bit of history as you play it. As we kept playing the game, we were just literally just looking at the actions and moving through. Uh, but I did go back and look at read through some of the mm-hmm. cards and stuff like that and just learn some of the historical stuff. So light historical game, which I think is a good entry point into car driven historical games.
0: And one thing that can be easily missed, people don't realize it took 72 years for this to happen from 1848 to 1920. And they did a great job in the game of concentrating early game. Think what's going on. We didn't have all 48 States. You, then you move in, then you move through the middle the others. The other parts of the country started opening up after the civil war and then you come into the lake when you have all 48 states. So they did that spot on. And I think that is something as you progress through the game, you need to understand how that's
1: playing out. It's, it's a great, to your point, it's a great teaching tool. Yeah, 100%. That is Votes for Women by Tori Brown. And this is her first design. Very well done, Tori. Hope to see more from you. That's from Fort Circle Games. Make sure to go keep an eye on them because I'm really digging a lot of the games they're putting out. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one.
0: Next game we're talking about is in the footsteps of Darwin from Gregor Gerard and Matthew Verdere. Brought to us by sorry, we are French and sent to us by Ashette. Oh, this is a set collection game. Two to five players, eight plus age, plays in thirty minutes. The actions, now hold on, people. The actions are really hard here. On your turn, you're going to take a tile, and depending on where you took it, you will then move the ship so the next person can take a tile.
1: <laughs> and you keep going
0: until the person with the most victory
1: points wins.
0: Well, no, you play for a set number of rounds and
1: then total up the m- most victory points. And then first most, most, yeah, I said, I said that entirely wrong. Yeah, so you got this board of three by three set of tiles that has animals and people on it. You've got, uh, this is, um, I guess Darwin's ship was the Beagle. The I always Beagle. want to say Regal, Regal Beagle from Tree's Company. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ship moves around the outer edge of the three by three uh, grid. And you could take any of the three tiles that's below it or beside it And whichever one, if you take the one closest to you, you're going to move the Regal Beagle once. Mm -hmm. You take the two away, you move it twice. Three away, you move it three times. And you place it on the board. Now, where you place it on the board depends on the type of tile. It's going to have a certain continent and type of animal. And it's through that that you're going to be doing these sort of set collection things. And these tiles will generate victory points and allow you to collect compasses, which could be a point multiplier at the end of the game. You can stack two... um, animals on top of each other in order to gain an in-game victory scoring condition. If you fill up entire row or entire column, you could collect an instant five-point marker. So there's a lot of ways to score the points, Tony, but the actual action of move ship, take tile, put it down is pretty easy. That's it. Tiles are easy to read. Some tiles will have a
0: discovery, which are in-game victory points. There's the chart, which helps your compass with a multiplier. So you need to be, if you're collecting compasses, which is the survey action, which you can collect, you need charts to kind of help multiply that out. And then there are these uh, helper guys hire a guide that you can use to either move the ship forward one space or back, which is very strategic in this game because you may want to do that because if you get this one little tile, you'll complete that row. And that would be so awesome. You can also collect other in-game scoring. Take inspiration.
1: It floored us. It was an enjoyable game. I loved it. I loved it. When I first saw a picture of it, I went, I don't know, I'm interested. And then for some reason, it just scratched an itch that I didn't know that need to be scratched. It was so simple. Tony said, move the ship, take a tile. Okay, where'd I put it? Well, you put it on your board that matches the these two icons right here. Okay, Try to fill up a column, get five points. Okay, row, five points. Okay, stack two, get one of these. Okay, that's it. Play the game. All nice, but there's so many ways to score points that everybody was trying to do it differently. I Mm -hmm. was trying to do the compasses and the uh, charts. charts. I was trying to get a lot of those so I could multiply out. I think uh, Bert was trying to go for... Wasn't he doing the full rows and full columns trying to score five victory points per pop? Or was that you?
0: No, that... Um, That was Bert and I. Yeah. Write a publication. And also the big thing was develop a theory, get an additional victory points at the end.
1: Yeah. And those were like based on, hey, you get one point for every uh, tile that you have in the Africa column or one point for every type of this type of animal that you have. Once you've uh, get to the end of the certain number of rounds, you literally just count out the points on your board and post the most points wins. But for some reason, it moved fast. Holy cow, it moved fast. It's like <laughs> Tony's turn, he take a tile. Bert's turn, he take a tile. My turn. Now you really can't plan out your turns because you just don't know where the boat's gonna be. But when you only have three options to choose from, it you don't get a lot of AP. Yeah. And it's not like you're gonna fill out you get over the course of the game,
0: everybody is going to collect 12 tiles. Everybody's uh-huh. gonna collect 12. So it's not like you're filling up all the rows and columns. You're not trying to complete every one of them because it is important to identify, Ooh, I need to place this one on top because the victory points on top are what count, but it gives me that ability to do the journal. And then when you see one come out, you are like, Oh man, I just need you to move the regal beagle an additional one so that I can then get, Oh, you didn't do it. Now I can't get there. And this is going to mess up my
1: row. Unless you spend one of your tokens right people tokens in order to to move the boat so there are with it ways to mitigate being able to move the ship so probably early in the game you kind of want to focus maybe getting a couple of those guys moving those those resources available to you so towards the end of the game you can kind of complete your scoring goal i've i really 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 enjoyed this I, know. I mean i i swear it's one it just surprised me how much fun it was and literally we played my gosh you said 30 minutes i think we finished in 20 mm mm-hmm. mhm I, it was that fast, but fulfilling. Mm-hmm. I got everything out of it I wanted out of the game. And you know, we we talked about my
0: shelfie recently. This was kind yeah. of like a flat shelfie for me. Yes, both have been fulfilling <laughs> fillers, either one of them. So once again, this is in the footsteps of Darwin. From sorry, we are French. Brought to us by
1: Ashet Board Games. Five Minute Initiative is complete.
0: This open AI chat GPT thing is really making our lives easy on commercials. Sure. All I got to do is go over there and type in Portal Games or shopportalgames.com. I type that in. and It's going to spit out a whole bunch of words for me. Mm -hmm. So just for the fun of it, Marty, I said, you know what? What? I typed in Portal Portal Games Thorgal. Okay. All right. And it comes back and it's saying, you know what? Portal Games is a board game publisher in Poland. Well, we know that and produces a lot of popular games like Detective a modern crime board game Imperial Settlers one of our favorites and then of course my favorite Robinson Crusoe Adventures on the Curse Island however they do not produce one on Thorgal comic book series well that's changing (laughs) the AI is wrong people we know it's changing it has been successfully funded on GameFound Ignasi has it ready to go I hope you got it. What in. do you mean
1: ready to go? I mean, it's it's closed and it's going to be coming. I don't know that it's ready to go. He's been working on this. You know, Ignacio, he can turn these things well, around. I know, but he, he's now going to go into, you know, final production, final checks, final art and all that stuff. It's not like ready to go right now. <sighs> well, what it sounds like to me, though, is you're smarter than uh, AI.
0: That's right. So the machine has not taken over yet. And it didn't pick up on all the other great games that they have over there at Portal Games. Shopportalgames.com. I mean, there is just a ton of stuff. There's the Batman series, and there's some of our favorites with Um, Niroshima Hex, you got all that. Be sure to go to the websites. They've got a ding and dent sales. You can pick up, you know, various games. that may happen because, I don't know, maybe Ignacy put his foot through it. You know, it's a ding and dent. You You can get website exclusives. Whatever you do, be sure to check them out over at ShopPortalGames.com for any news announcements. Also, subscribe, hit that like button or that ding button over at YouTube, and you'll get some of Ignacy's great announcements over there.
1: Tony, I mentioned this on our uh, movie review of a Screen, Stream, or steam in wow, uh, mm-hmm. that Tetris movie is really good. And I know this is kind of where we talk about video games. If y'all have Apple TV, go check out Tetris movie. It is really interesting to hear the story of the designer of Tetris and how the rights of this was picked up and how all these different companies were fighting for the rights. And there was all these legal issues. This is historically based. The movie dramatizes some of the situations. I know shock. So you can get, you know, There's car chases in there, which didn't happen. That's that's why I I recommended that if you watch the movie, uh, there's a YouTube channel called Gaming Astorian, which is an amazing channel. Go watch his hour-long documentary on Tetris that kind of covers everything. I just think it's a a really interesting story of how Tetris became the pack-in game for the Game Boy. The main character of this movie is the one that's responsible for talking to Nintendo to get... Tetris as the pack-in and not a Mario game. And, and it was a big decision because, as I said, Tetris is the perfect video game. Perfect. Yes, you've said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I hated the game. Okay. Perfect doesn't mean everybody's going to like it. I'm just saying no. that literally I can hand this to my mom and she'd watch 30 seconds of me playing and she would understand how to play. I never even played on the Switch, the Tetris 99. I was not good
0: at it because of spatial relations. I this this game definitely <laughs> brought out the fact that me and spatial relations are not good.
1: Have you ever seen the Tetris competitions? It is no. oh my gosh, dude! It is insane how fast these people play. It is crazy.
0: I'm sure these are probably up there with the StarCraft players and the Zerg rushes and that's kind of but stuff. But I tell
1: you, what's the most euphoric thing on playing uh, uh, any video game is when you see that four straight piece come up on the board. It's like yes. And then just as it hits, you hit the wrong button. And it go, turns out. No, <laughs> no! you just block no! an entire three rows. Oh yes. Anyway, Tetris movie is really good. Speaking of, I hate Mario movie just crossed 1 billion bucks. It is blowing up. So he's gotten
0: a bunch of coins.
1: Ding, 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 Yeah. ding, ding. You need to go see it. It's worth seeing in a theater. Oh, well. I will.
0: My, my plan is to maybe the, uh, I think uh, Rebecca will be in here. My daughter She's coming in the week of the fifteenth, right before Mother's Day, and I'm thinking maybe she and I will go get a matinee, just kind of one of those decompressions, because that's that's, that because that's what it is. That movie is about decompression. Hundred percent,
1: simple story, Mm -hmm. but uh, a lot of fun. And uh, also, I am about halfway through Advance Wars. I saw you picked it up. Did you take the shrink off yet?
0: No, the shrink. He's showing me right now,
1: y'all. The shrink is still on it. So uh, I'm. It's just nostalgic. It's fun. It's a good turn-based game. I'm playing on casual, but um, <laughs> told, I was playing on normal. I was like, I suck so bad at this game. I had to drop it down. Oh, but anyway, I'm I'm enjoying it. it's 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 one of those games I play during lunch. Basically, I play one mission each lunch break, and there's like 21 missions in the base game, so I'll knock it out really quick.
0: You know, I don't remember. I remember playing it obviously and having the various planes and things like that, and getting mad at the game. I just remember calling it the um, leg numbing game. Cause, you know, <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. We'll let people visualize
1: why that is. Uh, the leg numbing game. You Probably don't take too long to figure that out. I, my gosh, I had so yeah. many leg numbing games. But my The GBA SP was my leg numbing system. Ex- that little exactly. clamshell yeah. thing going right
0: in your pocket. Set that volume just right. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. You didn't have to worry about that thing. No, unlike the phones and all, everybody's got leg numbing devices now. With that, I'm going to say let's keep rolling some dice. And taking some names.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Come join our Discord channel. You can find the links on our webpage at rolledicetakenames.com. You can support the show at buymeamoonpie.com. Follow us on social media at DysonNames. That's for both Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube. We're doing a lot more content over there too. Wow, okay, the dog is now on the bed. He's tearing up the bed, or she's tearing up the bed. You need to have one of those permanently. All right, you've made yourself a little bed. Now, lay down. Three weeks can't come quick enough. (laughs) (laughs)